All right, all right. Episode four of Inside of Julius is mine. <clears throat> I know it feels like uh, I've been getting off my schedule more and more. <laughs> uh, I went from doing it every Saturday and then last week on Sunday, and I'm recording today on the mon- Monday afternoon. I'm kind of under, under the weather, uh, a little sick, so just bear with me. Um, what we're going to talk about in this episode is going to be, first and foremost, Starbucks. We're going to talk about Starbucks and the ramifications of racial bias. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Waffle House shooting. We're going to talk about NBA playoffs. Now, this week, I don't have anybody um, coming on and speaking with me. It's just going to be the Julius show today. Um, and then from the NBA playoffs, we're going to talk about the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, I know we talked about that on the first episode, but it's some things that's kind of come out that uh, free agency addicts, I mean, uh, free agency said that we should talk about. Um, and then last but not least, it's going to be a surprise. The last segment is going to be a surprise. All right. Listen up, sit back, relax, tune in. Handcuffs viewed nearly 11 million times, leading to protests, anger across the nation. I spoke with Rashawn Nelson and Dante Robinson and their attorney, Stuart Cohen, earlier this morning. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. It has been quite a week. It's been quite a week. Um, Dante, you both walk in, you get a table. Rashawn, how long was it before you asked to use the restroom? Immediately, as soon as I walked in. You know, she stated that they were preparing customers only, and I just left it at that, at that moment. And the response was, you have to buy something? Yes. Then you go and find Dante. You're at the table. What happened next? Um, we're at the table. We sit down. We're just talking amongst each other. Um, she then comes from around the register, asks, you know, walks up to us, asks if, uh, you know, she can help us with anything. Can we start with some drinks or the water? something like that, you know, when we had bottles of water with us, so, you know, we're fine, we're just waiting for a meeting, we'll be out really quick, type thing, um, and that was it. So, approximately 4.35, you arrive for a 4.45 business meeting. According to 911 accounts, a call was placed at 4.37, approximately two minutes after you arrived to 911. What did you think when you saw police arrive, Dante? It can't be in class. So, when they do approach you, what do they say, and how do you react? Well, initially, um, as soon as they approach us, they just say we have to leave there was no question of you know all right i'm gonna stop it right there uh, now i've said this multiple different ways and i really don't know how many different ways i could say it without it getting redundant if you're racist if you don't like me for the color of my skin or the way i carry myself it's fine. You know, I can live with that. But from two minutes of me walking into an establishment, the cops are called. Now, I'm not going to blow this up because it's, it happened over a week ago now. Racism isn't something you're born with. 
racial bias isn't something that you're born with. You uh, you learn that by the people that you are raised by, parents, by the people that uh, put out stuff on the in TV or news or YouTube or whatever, what have you, and they paint a picture of a race that are all negative. Right? If I say angel food cake, it's, it's white cake. If I say devil food cake, it's black cake. Why? Right? So you have to paint a picture to where when somebody comes in, and tries to have a meeting in a Starbucks. Mind your own business, right? He asked for the restroom. She didn't want to give him the restroom. It's for paying customers only. Now, that must have been one struggling Starbucks. Because there's never been a situation to where I've met somebody at Starbucks and I haven't been able to use the bathroom or use the restroom, whatever you call it. So this was blatant racial bias. Now, I'm not the type of person, I'm not going to condemn the entire company because of what some foot soldiers do. Because that's what they are, foot soldiers, right? And I applaud the steps that Starbucks has gone with in terms of shutting down every store across the, uh, the country and having some sensitivity classes uh, because racial bias is alive and well. Racism is alive and well. We just can't run from it. You have to attack it head on. You have to isolate that. It's like a virus. Once you figure out the symptoms of the virus that you have, you have to treat that virus aggressively. Now, that doesn't mean run away from the virus and just wait until you get better. That means attack that virus, right? Find the weakness in that virus. And then get better. But another thing I want to kind of say is... um. A lot of people have different views, right? And that's why I started this podcast, because I have different views. I know a lot of people have different views from me. Uh, but Laura Ingram, the Fox News anchor, I'm just going to play what she said in response to the Starbucks thing. And... Nothing that Laura says should be surprising because this is the same person that said shut up and dribble to LeBron James and Kevin Durant. So only thing that we can really say about Laura Ingram is that if you're racist, just be racist. You know what I mean? Just don't try to say you're giving an unbiased report. Uh, when everything that you say is contrary to what you're trying to uh, trying to put out, 
And we know Fox News is inherently racist anyway. Don't we? I ain't got a little quick YouTube ad. All right, now, so I'm just going to stop it right there. Laura Ingram goes on to say, oh, it wasn't because they were black, it's because they didn't buy anything. How many times have you guys gone to Starbucks and just sat there? I've gone to multiple Starbucks in the city I'm at right now, in Fort Worth, to where I can go sit down, you know, pull a laptop out if I want to, and do homework or whatever I got to do some research, whatever, right? But I didn't buy anything. So with this situation, it should have been just cut and dry. If you ask somebody, do they need anything? And they say no. And two minutes after them saying no, you call the cops. There's a problem. Simple as that. Sometimes you have to work up an appetite before you order something. That's just like going into a restaurant, right? You can pick any restaurant that has waiters, servers, whatever. And once you sit down, the waiter comes over, drops off the menus, and say, and says, hey, you guys need anything? And they say no. Right. And the waiter says, I'll be back. But instead of the waiter saying, I'll be back, he said, all right, well, I'll just call the cops. 
So the manager that called the cops is no longer with, uh, with Starbucks. The police of Philadelphia has also uh, issued a, an apology to the uh, to the young men about what happened, rightfully so. But what we don't need is people coming out and saying, oh, blah, 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 they should just order something. Sometimes you just want to go somewhere you have a quick conversation and go about your day. So Laura Ingram, just shut up. Shut up, because nobody really cares about your opinion, except for people in the Midwest and West Virginia and that area who think that black people are scary gorillas who don't know how to speak proper English. Right? changes in the NFL draft. A lot of teams that may have wanted a receiver in the draft um, with Des out there may look to get a receiver a little bit younger because right now you could probably get a receiver like Des cheaper than just going out drafting a receiver in the first round. It's up for debate. Uh, but Des was going to be getting anywhere from about 9 to 10 mil before he was cut. And I think first-year receivers uh, anywhere from five to maybe six, maybe seven. Um, really? So if you can get somebody that's already um, shown what they can do in the NFL, even though they may be a little bit older, you can get maybe three good years out of a uh, Three good years after um, out of Des Bryant, right? So okay, so if you take that and you say a receiver, a Pro Bowl receiver, an All Pro receiver like Des Bryant is out there, you can possibly get him for four or five mil, and then there's a first round receiver that you may get for six, seven, eight mil. Give me Des Bryant for right now. I might draft someone a little bit later um, if it doesn't work out or draft someone next year if it doesn't work out with Des Bryant. Uh, but salary cap is big because the NFL is a business. Uh, so a lot of teams that they saw maybe drafting a receiver uh, may change a little bit. Now, the Cowboys are still probably going to draft a receiver. I don't know who's going to throw them the ball, but uh, they're still probably thinking about drafting a receiver. 
Uh, I don't think it should be Calvin Ridley. That's just my personal belief. I don't think uh, Calvin Ridley would be a number one receiver in the NFL. I think he would be a solid number two, uh, maybe even number three option in an offense like Oakland runs or a Green Bay offense. Uh, but to say he's the dominant number one when there's only maybe five true number ones or eight true number ones in the NFL. Uh, so if the Cowboys are smart, I think they should address their defense first and focus on the run game, the play action on offense, and they'll be just fine. Um, but the draft is this week, this Friday, actually. And uh, a lot of things have been changing around since the first uh, podcast that I put out. One of the most important ones is um, who's going to take Lamar Jackson? Uh, which quarterback is going to be the first taken? Where is Saquon Barkley going to go? Now, we're going to go Saquon first because it's just released that Saquon Barkley's management team is telling him to tell the Cleveland Browns if they draft him, he will not play there. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out for him personally, uh, but I hope it works out. <laughs> I mean, it, it worked for Philip Rivers, for Eli Manning. It worked out for John Elway. Uh, but I don't think the running back has that same uh, same level of clout to where he tell the team he doesn't want to play there. Because I believe if he was to go to Cleveland uh, with their roster as it stands right now, Tyrod Taylor, um, The Flash, Josh Gordon, David Njoku, um, Got my boy Jarvis Landry, uh, the running back that used to be out in San Fran, uh, even though Ohio State, I forget his name right now. Uh, but if you add Saquon Barkley to that offense, just if you just think about it, that's a pretty solid group of offensive players that you can work with, especially with the skill set that Saquon Barkley has and being a receiver and a running threat. So if Cleveland is really trying to win, they will draft Saquon Barkley, but uh, you also have to think they have the number one pick and they also have the number four pick. So I think what would be the best bet is to draft a quarterback with that first pick and find a dominant edge rusher with that fourth pick, somebody like a Bradley Chubb to pair with Miles Garrett. Um, I just think that'll, that'll just make their team not worthwhile because running backs are a dime a dozen. Now, granted, Saquon may be the second coming of Walter Payton. We don't know that yet. And I think it might be worth finding out, but I think the Giants draft Saquon Barkley for number two. Um, so number one, I think, personally, as we get closer and closer to the draft, I think either Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold is going to be the number one pick. Nothing about Sam Darnold really stands out to me personally. Um, he's just a relative middle to quarterback, uh, but he has a grit to him that people of Ohio seem to like. Uh, I just don't see – I don't see people, you know, not taking Josh Rosen, even though he says a lot of contradictory statements. Um, I just think he's going to be a winner in the NFL. I think he's going to be one of those type of quarterbacks that we put up there with the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady. I know it's a lot of praise for somebody that hasn't been drafted yet, but just watching the film on him, he can make every pass. He can make every throw. You know, he has it between the ears. He just has to have the perfect scheme around him. Uh, I can see that scheme being Cleveland. He's a little athletic, but he doesn't re- rely solely on his athleticism. He has a strong form, too. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's still getting stolen his name. Uh, I think the Saints or maybe Jacksonville might draft him in the later round, later in the first round. Um, close. Darius Geis. I think the perfect team for Darius Geis is the Oakland Raiders. I think they fit his skill set, and he'll, him being able to learn under someone like Marshawn Lynch will be extremely important for his career uh, and him moving forward. NFL draft is always, like, super exciting because you never know what type of player that your team is going to get. Uh, I have this strict rule that I hold to myself, and I kind of tell people when we, are, when we talk about bust. I say I give rookies 
the first four years of their contract before I decide if they're a bust or not. Because if you can make it through that first four years and your team picks up your contract and you've been somewhat productive, you're not a bust. You're just an average NFL player. There's not a lot of superstar NFL players if you really just think about it, right? When we talk about defense, the top three that you're going to think that pops into your head, like defensive linemen in the front seven, they're going to be the J.J. Watts, Devon Miller, which is Khalil Mack, Cam Jordan, Gerald McCoy, uh, Aaron Darnold, right? Uh, who else? There's other, there's other people out there that you think of, but when we talk about superstars, being just a good NFL player gets the job done, too. Good NFL players normally have more rings than superstar NFL players because it is a team sport, right? Um, so, yeah, the NFL draft is going to be very exciting this week. Um, 1 through 32 should be very exciting. I think the Eagles may trade back into the second round, the first pick of the second round with the Browns. So the Browns may have three first-round draft picks this year. Um, just because I see them being a little bit more aggressive because of who their new GM is. And I would love to see that. I would love to see the Browns being aggressive. Because that just shows me that they're willing to go out there and go all out. Right? So I wish everybody good luck to whoever they hope that their team drafts. Uh, should be exciting. Now, transitioning into the uh, NBA playoffs, I have to say this has probably been one of the more entertaining NBA playoffs uh, that we've watched in a while. Congratulations on the uh, New Orleans Pelicans being the first team to get to the second round. And they're just utter dominance over the Trailblazers. Now, I'm almost 90% sure that uh, Terry Stotts loses his job after this. You know, eight straight losses in the playoffs. I think they've been swept twice. They were swept last year and they were swept this year. Now, if Portland wants to make that next step, the person that I see that they have to hire is Mark Jackson. It has to be Mark Jackson. Their problem is not offense. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCullum, uh, Nursik, uh, Aminu, uh, what's the guy's name? Miles Leonard, they have offense in abundance, right? They need somebody that's going to implement a dominant defensive mind to create the culture. Just like, um, just like he did with Golden State. Uh, Mark Jackson built the Warriors as you see them today. If you take the core players uh, that were there before Kevin Durant, you got Sean Livingston, uh, Steph, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Andre Iguodala. Um, who else? Man, the team's changed a lot. Who was Bogut? Well, that's that's the core players, the ones I just named. He implemented that mental toughness into them for the playoffs and moved forward as the uh, the team got better. So, Trailblazers, understand, Mark Jackson is out there. 
<coughs> and he wants a job. And I don't see any anybody more capable than him in that position other than maybe Dave Fisdale. Uh, but I think Dave Fisdale maybe goes to uh, Charlotte. Um, but let's, let's move on. Um, Utah. Utah, Oklahoma City have been going through this um, this back and forth of um, a heavyweight fighters filling each other out. Utah has outplayed Oklahoma City the last two nights, the last two games that they played. Um, it just looks like they wanted more. Their offensive schemes a little bit more uh, tightened up. And Westbrook has been getting outplayed by Ricky Rubio. Now, in the NBA today, we hold the ultra-athletes in a higher standard, uh, meaning that they are able to get away with a lot of different things because of their athleticism. Uh, and the biggest thing is off-ball defense, that waiting to jump into the passing lane and get the, the fast break for the easy dunk. Um, Westbrook has that problem. LeBron James has that problem. There's a few other players in the NBA, but those are the, the most two prominent players that have that problem to where they just focus on jumping in the passing lanes and cherry picking or whatever they have to do to get to the, the offense, you know, the, uh, to get the basket as quick as possible. Donovan Mitchell has been playing out of his mind these last two games. His efficiency has gone up. Ricky Rubio played out of his mind. Last, uh, the last game they played, game three, they had a triple-double. And it wasn't a triple-double to where he his teammates were leaving the rebounds to him. He actually went up and got the rebounds. No slander, just what it is. I'm just calling it how it is. Um, that series right now is 2-1 Utah. They got one more game in Utah before they go back to Oklahoma City. Now, if Oklahoma City loses this series, I see Paul George and Carmelo Anthony leaving in this uh, upcoming offseason. Because who wants to be in a small market for you losing the first round to an even smaller market? Right, uh, you got Houston and the uh, the Timberwolves. Now, for the first two games, you probably think, man, this is going to be an easy sweep. Uh, but Minnesota came out; they played hard. Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, was the player that he needed to be in Game One and Two. Uh, Tom Thibodeau was not going to be the type of coach that lets them rest. So, I predict that their defensive intensity gets even, you know, t- turned up a little bit more. The length of uh, Minnesota is going to be what's important in terms of getting this series to a game seven or a game eight. Uh, because Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, um, how was his name? Thomas Carl Anthony Towns, Jeff T will not be enough. The, uh, Derek Rose has to play like he played game one and in game three. He had two good games in game one and game three. Uh, Jamal Crawford has to hit the big shots when they need him to. And then getting Chris Paul into foul trouble is how you're going to be able to win. Just how it is. Um, 
So hopefully we see that series get to a seven-game series because I feel like that's what the NBA needs. Um, over in the East, the Wizards and the Raptors. I feel like every year we fall into this like love relationship with the Raptors. Uh, they go out and they just run to a full-speed sprint to the first seed in the East. And they struggle in the first round of the playoffs. This was actually the first year that they had won a game one in the playoffs. Being the number one seed. Now, I know DeMar DeRozan is going to be there for some time. I know Kyle Lowry is going to be there uh, for some time. But I don't think if Dwayne Casey, if Dwayne Casey does not make it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, they may be looking to put him on the hot seat. So I'm excited to see how that happens. Uh, now, also, John Wall is a dog. He's a different breed. His intensity in the NBA, second to none. He willed his team to win last night. Uh, last night. Uh, this is Monday, so it's Sunday. Um, without John Wall, there's a lot of things that the uh, – the Wizards would not be able to do. So I see that series going seven games now. Now, the series that I've really been watching very, very closely is uh, <clears throat> Cleveland Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers. Now, the series right now is tied 2-2 after... The Cleveland Cavaliers last night had a 16-point lead. Indiana came up, tied it, and then the refs got kind of fishy at the end of the game. Cavaliers won fair and square. If the Cavaliers do not turn it up and tighten up their defensive strategy a little bit better than what it is, with the confidence that Indiana has, because they don't even – people say Indiana shouldn't even won the games that they've won. So once you get people at that type of confidence to where back against the wall, I don't really care. They shoot those threes, they go in. Bogdanovich has been playing out of his mind, right? I think he went 11 for 13 uh, in one game efficiency, six of those being threes. And that was game three. He lit the Cavs up. LeBron, hear me out. If you lose in this first round, with all the talks of you being the best player in the world that you throw out there, we will laugh at you. Because that zero dark 23 or whatever you like to do when you go on your little hiatus from uh, social media will be just as quick as it was when you, uh, when you started it. So, uh, Victor Oladipo, keep grinding, man. Keep balling. Lance Stevenson, keep being that annoying pass that you are to LeBron. And Cavaliers just tighten up on defense. That's really it. You know, instead of blaming somebody for getting, you know, somebody passing by him, increase your help defense. Simple as that. Uh, then we got the 76ers and the, uh, the Miami. I think that series right now is 3-1 76ers. 
I see them closing this game relatively easy, getting into the second round. Um, ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, just a little bit too much for Miami without a real dominant superstar right now. Hassan Whiteside is one-sided. Dwayne Wade is over his prime. So I would love to see uh, the 76ers and Indiana Pacers in that second-round matchup because Miles Turner and Joel Embiid I think would be a very good uh, matchup to watch. Then we got to talk about my Warriors. Uh, we lost game four to close it out in San Antonio. Uh, condolences to Greg Popovich's wife. Uh, I know she recently lost her battle with all the ailments that she was going through. And I know he's going through. Uh, I couldn't imagine, honestly. I won't even sit here and lie and say that I can imagine what he's going through. Uh, when you lose a person that you feel like was on this earth, for you and you alone, and you lose that, I can only send my condolences out to you and just hope it gets better. Uh, rest in peace to Aaron Popovich. We're probably going to watch one of the greatest superhero movies ever put together. Um, 10 years, 18 movies, all leading to one decisive movie. Infinity War. Now, me personally, there's only maybe three people that I want to see make it out of this movie alive. <laughs> everybody else can die. Um, because I know, just like from reading the comic book, that everybody, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Uh, but I just want to see certain things happen. I want to see the interaction between um, Sherry uh, from Wakanda, her interaction with Bruce Banner and uh, Tony Stark. Because those two are looked on as being two of the smartest on the planet. To see her, who has led Wakanda through all of their technological advancements, shout out to Mbaku, uh, how she handles everything. I would probably put her above both of them. I want to see uh, the dynamic between Mbaku and the Winter Soldier, Bucky. 
there's so many things. I want to see how Thor talks with the Guardians of the Galaxy, how Groot reacts with other humans that have never seen a talking tree, right? Or other humans that have never seen a talking raccoon. Because I know it has to be a scene where Tony Stark sees Rocket Raccoon and says, is that a talking raccoon? And Rocket Raccoon just goes off. If they don't have that type of scene in this movie, it would have let me down. Right? I mean, it just ha- it has to have that. Uh, now, there are some things that I'm going to say that may be taken as spoilers, uh, but take it with a grain of salt. I'm, I don't work for Marvel. Uh, if I did, a lot of different things be going on in my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things that I want to see, I want to see the separation of the Incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner. Uh, there have been scenes in the trailers, if you see them, that you see the Hulk Buster, uh, Hulk Buster armor. I think that's Bruce Banner in that armor. Now, the reason why I say that is because in the comics, They've been separated before because of Doctor Strange. So, if they're separated, then the Hulk has his own body, and Bruce Banner has his own body, and Bruce Banner wants to fight, the easiest way to get him into the fighting zone would be to put him in the Hulkbuster armor. Now, I also want to see where Hawkeye's been, because there's no trailer of Hawkeye, there's no trailer of Ant-Man, uh, because I'm pretty sure he's probably doing his own thing. Uh, but still, you want to see those type of things. I want to see how the Black Order interacts with people that are on par or stronger than them. Uh, you got Prosper Midnight, Corvius Glade, the Black Mall, Cole Obsidian. You got all these people. You know, that if you're a comic book person like I am, There's so many things that you want to see in this movie. I want to see how the the people that live in Wakanda, how they react to having Captain America, uh, Scarlet Witch in their city. Because if you don't remember, in Civil War, there were Wakandan people that were helping in that country that died because of what Scarlet Witch did. Uh, I also want to see how Thanos is played or you know how his uh, mannerisms are displayed in this movie uh for a lot of people that don't know thanos subconsciously wants to lose so i know there's going to be a lot of scenes in this movie to where we're like why do you do it like that why do you do that because he wants to lose like he wants to be reunited with Mistress Death. He wants, he wants to be with Mistress Death. I also want to see how they're going to implement Captain Marvel <clears throat> because she's going to be a period, an extremely important part according to Avengers 4, which hasn't even been named yet. Like, we don't even know the title of that name of that movie yet. Um, I also want to see Tony Stark and Captain America <clears throat> because. You know, at the end of the Civil War, you know, there was a relationship. It was like they were split. You know, their friendship was down, down the drain, for lack of a better term. Uh, 
But I think what another good thing that's going to set this movie apart because of the success of Black Panther. Uh, I want to see how um, Wakanda has changed since they opened up their borders. Right. I want to see is there a Starbucks there now? Has McDonald's hit up to Chala and being like, hey, you know, we everywhere. Let us drop off some uh, McDoubles, you know, that type of thing. Uh, the funny part about that trailer is like, if she wanted, you know, the Olympics, maybe a Starbucks, right? Uh, I also want to see where the Soul Stone is because I thought it was going to be in Ragnarok. It wasn't there. Then I thought it was going to be in Black Panther. It wasn't there. So it's probably in Wakanda and it's probably the source of the vibranium and the heart shaped herb. Uh, but the Russo brothers, do a very good job of like hiding things and hiding it in plain sight like that. Um, now, there's a lot of different things in this movie and a lot of different ways to where um, we got to see <clears throat> how this thing plays out because I do think there are going to be a lot of superheroes that die. Um, one, for instance, I think Cap maybe dies in this movie. Um, I think maybe Tony dies in this. I don't know. Uh, but I also want to see the Stan Lee uh, cameo in this. It can't be just a random cameo. It has to be a cameo to where all of the characters see this old white man and they're like, perfect. This would be perfect. This, let me just play this picture for you. Wakanda's opened up the borders, right? And um, people are coming there to visit, like dignitaries and all these people, because they say they see that it's not just this third world country with farmers. And um, this old man is like lost, and he like opens up an office, and it's literally like all of the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and everybody just sitting in this room, and everybody like looks back at him, and it's Stan Lee like looking at him. You know what I mean? Something like that. But I also want to see uh, where uh, Nick Fury is. Samuel L. Jackson hasn't been seen since the end of Age of Ultron. Oh, no. Even before that. He hasn't been seen since the Winter Soldier. So he, what has he been doing? What, what's been, what, what has been his thing? Man, there's so many answers that we need for life to tighten up this movie script. Uh, I know you guys are going to go out and see it because you have to. Um, it's just crazy when you think about, man, for the last 10 years, I always used to like, make this little joke, all right, got to stay alive in 2018, got to stay alive in 2018, got to stay alive in 2019, got to stay alive in 2020, because there's so many things that I wanted to see added into this universe. Because, like, <laughs> It's exciting, you know, me being a comic book person. You know, it's just things that you want to see. Like, man, it's exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, and it just tells you how far behind DC is. I would be perfectly fine if DC took the same approach that Marvel took. Yes, it takes 10 years to build up an entire universe. But look at the fruits of your labor 
when 10 years from now, you have people like James Cameron hating on you because of how successful that your movies are and you haven't missed yet. So DC, take your time. Marvel keep grinding. And just because they got all of their characters back now is even more exciting because we know that they're going to bring the Fantastic Four into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we know that they're going to bring the X-Men because the last X-Men movie that Fox is doing is going to be a Dark Phoenix. So I'm pretty sure that's going to be the end to where maybe like a lot of people die. And something's going to happen in the uh, MCU to where this retconned and they've been there the entire time type thing. Uh, but uh, Avengers Infinity War, April 27th. Make sure you guys get your tickets. I'm probably going to see it on the uh, 1st of May. What a way to kind of die spoilers until then. Except for a jacket, an assault rifle, shot a gentleman that was standing at the door, turned and shot my buddy T, who was trying to get away down the sidewalk. And then that's when I hit the ground. From underneath my car, I could see that he stood out in front of the restaurant and shot a few shots through the windows. And then he went inside. And when he went inside, I tried to run across the parking lot to get further. I got to the other side, I looked back, and there was a gentleman wrestling with the thumbnail. There was a, a guy that was by my town earlier, and I don't remember his name, but I told him, <clears throat> before any of the police got there, I told him that he was a hero, because he was. Because, I mean, had that guy had a chance to reload his weapon, there was plenty more people in that restaurant. So, ample, ample opportunity to hurt more people. And whoever that guy was, when you guys find out who his name was, he deserves some attention, because he, he really... We asked James Shaw to visit with you today. Uh, Mr. Shaw, since the shooting, has been to church at Jefferson Street, and he uh, agreed to speak with you. What uh, James is going to do is just tell you from his perspective, from his eyes, what he saw and what he did. Then after James uh, speaks, there'll be other speakers. And at the end, we'll save the uh, end for questions. James, come on up. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> um, so last night, uh, I went out with uh, my best friend. Um, we went to a went to a club out in uh, Antioch, the Antioch area. Um, we left the club at about 2.30ish. Um, we actually went to the Bell Road um, Waffle House first, um, but it was pretty packed in there, um, like two or three times what was in the Murfreesboro, uh, Murfreesboro Road Waffle House. Um, so we left there. Um, got some gas, and then we went to the Murfreesboro Road Waffle House. Um, got there, I think, at about 3.17-ish. Um, when we got out our vehicles, um, we both saw the gold Silverado. I actually saw the silhouette of his face. Um, but you can't really just, you know, judge a person just off, with, off, of, off of that. So um, <clears throat> we proceeded in. Um, we sat down at the, the high chairs, um, tabletops. Um, I was sitting in like the first chair and my friend was sitting in like third chair. We had a seat, uh, 
um, a chair between us. And uh, we distinct, distinctively remember um, the cook. The, uh, the cook was actually um, <coughs> washing dishes and he was stacking the plates up. And he was stacking them pretty high up on the hood to where we were like, those are going to fall off. Well, at the same time he was doing that, another um, Waffle House employee was actually about to go on his break. And I heard him say, he said, I'm just going to smoke a cigarette. I'll be right back. Um, so when we first heard what I know now is the gunshot, we thought it was plates crashing because we had pretty much made that up in our minds that it was the plates were going to fall. Then the second one. Let's give a shout out to James Shaw and what he did in being so fast in acting and taking this gunman down. Is nothing sacred anymore? A Waffle House, man? I remember when I was growing up, my mom and I used to take us to the Waffle House at night when she would get off of work. And you would never expect <clears throat> for something like that to happen at a Waffle House. Now, for me recording this, the uh, suspect has been arrested, uh, alive. I will not say his name because I think that's part of the problem of mass shootings is that we give more attention to the actual shooter than the people who lost their lives. Uh, so before I go any further, um, I'm going to talk on the people who lost their lives in the Nashville Waffle House shooting. Man, it's crazy. It's like I said it's my first episode. Like we say this and it's like we just kind of become numb to it. The first person um that I'm going to speak on was uh, D'Ebony Groves. She was 21. She was killed at the Waffle House shooting. Um, Aquila da, Sil da Silva, she was 23. Um, she was murdered at the Waffle House shooting. <clears throat> Tareen Sanderline. Um, worker at that Waffle House, he was murdered. And Joe Perez, 20 years old of Nashville, uh, he was murdered as well. Uh, so rest in peace to Joe Perez, Tareen Sandalon, De Ebony Groves, and Aquila Da Silva. 
lives cut too short because of people who should not have guns, having guns. But this isn't about gun control. This isn't about gun ban. This I won't even make this about guns. It's going to be the loss of life. Uh, so rest in peace to those four. Uh, prayers and condolences to their families. Uh, and an overwhelming shot of love uh, to James, the person who, uh, James Shaw, uh, the person who stopped the government in his tracks before it could get any worse uh, because it could have got way worse than that. Um, so the first clip that I played before I started to speak was an eyewitness account. And then Mr. James Shaw himself kind of told you what led up to the point of the shooting. And it's crazy how I feel like us as a, as a society has gotten so numb to the possibilities outside of our control of shootings and people dying, people being murdered, because this stuff shouldn't be normal. Is getting ridiculous to me. So, condolences to those families. If you guys know me, you know I love the Waffle House. There's nothing wrong about the Waffle House, right? I took my uh, my girlfriend there for her first time. I'm like, <laughs> I want to say it was maybe a few months until I was dating. She had never been to the Waffle House. And I was like, what? She's an IHOP person, but she doesn't like breakfast either. So she's the person that goes to uh, goes to a restaurant and gets two or three maybe things, uh, chicken tenders and fries or steak and potatoes. Or she can't get those two. She'll just get cheese sticks and say she's full. Unless we go to like somewhere fancy. I took her to a Brazilian steakhouse. As she said, it was too overwhelming for her. But back to the Waffle House. Um, things like this shouldn't happen as often as it happened. Granted, the guy's been arrested. They found him. I won't even say may the Lord have mercy on his soul because he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. I hope he goes through all the worst things possible. Uh, because loved ones will never see their son, their daughter. Their cousins, their nieces, their nephew, again, because you wanted to shoot up a Waffle House. It's selfish. Selfish. I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. Uh, episode four of Inside of Julius's Mind. I want to open up my uh, my podcast to more suggestions. So I'm going to start doing a mailbag in terms of you sending questions. And I try to answer them to the best of my ability. Uh, so to send in those questions, you can either reach out to me on my Twitter, uh, my Instagram, or my Facebook. Uh, Twitter is at Julius Taught Her. Uh, Instagram is at the same name. Uh, Facebook is my first and last name, if you guys know it. Uh, send me a message. I want more input. You know, I want to know what should I talk about this week? 
Um, I still appreciate all the the reviews that I've gotten on this podcast. I'm going to keep grinding. You know, I'm going to have more people on. Uh, going to get more in depth in terms of what we talk about. So signing off, episode four of Inside of Julius's Mind. Peace.